scripture passage today is a continuation of the Easter story. It takes place on the evening of Easter Sunday, and it comes from the Gospel of John, verses 19 through 31. Hear now the word of God. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twelve, who was, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, Unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Breathe out your spirit upon us, O Lord, that the word just read and the words to come might bring us closer in our walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I believe, help my unbelief, perhaps some of the most authentic words spoken in the Bible. They were recorded in the Gospel of Mark and said by a desperate man who had brought his demon-possessed son to be healed by Jesus. The father knew he had to believe but he wasn't sure if he had enough faith on his own. Perhaps that's how you feel today. Not quite enough faith. Maybe that's how some of our confirmands feel today. Perhaps that's how you have felt when you've held the hand of a very sick child or spouse or sibling or parent or friend. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I cannot do this alone. Which is precisely why we need our faith community. For almost four months, our confirmation class has been gathering in a small community of students and adult mentors. They have learned about the Trinity, the sacraments, and the church. 
They have worshiped, shared, and served together as a culmination of this focused time. You heard from Connor that each conferman has written a faith statement. Almost all of the statements begin as we begin the Apostles' Creed with these two words, I believe. The assignment to write a faith statement sounds simple, but trust me, it's not easy. I wrote a faith statement about six years ago. Just as these teenagers have written what they believe at this point in their lives, I wrote what I believed at some point in my life. Truthfully, there are parts of my faith statement that I would tweak today. Even though I know that God is unchanging, hopefully I am not. One of the joys of the Christian walk is that the Spirit is always active in our lives, helping us to grow and maybe even to be transformed a bit more into the likeness of Jesus along the way, if we're open to it. One question that I find helpful to keep in my back pocket is this. What might God be inviting me to through this uncomfortable encounter, this hard conversation, or from this annoying person who has just cut me off in traffic? I suppose there might be a risk when we ask students or adults to write what they believe. The unintended consequence of that permanent ink could be like putting God into a box of our own thinking. Thanks to a huge cerebral cortex, we are capable of abstract thought and pondering the deep mysteries of life, ultimate meaning, and faith. Where we bump into trouble is when we begin to trust our beliefs more than we trust God. Holding our thoughts and beliefs with an open hand can be a way with communing with God in whom we trust. Believing is a who word. We don't have to have it all figured out today. Faith is a lifelong journey with many divine encounters along the way. A journey best done in the company of fellow believers. And you know why, right? Because Jesus promised that whenever two or more are gathered in his name, he would show up. Just look at how Jesus showed up with the disciples who had gathered together in that little locked room. And even though he missed Thomas the first time, Jesus surely could have gotten to him sometime during the week. But instead... Jesus came to Thomas when Thomas was back together with that community of believers where two or more were gathered. Did you notice how Jesus handled this community of fearful people who had denied and abandoned him in his greatest need? With grace and acceptance for who they were in that moment. They didn't repent. They didn't even say they were sorry. Jesus came to them with their sin still freshly clinging to them. And he gave them his peaceful presence, his forgiveness, and his love. Who knows, maybe their encounter with Jesus 
helped them to treat Thomas with a similar love and grace once Thomas returned. Because they didn't critique his unbelief or shun him for it. They included him. They held on to him until he had his own encounter with Jesus. And that is something we can do for one another in community. Did you notice how Jesus treated the unbeliever? Jesus didn't scold, shame, or ostracize Thomas either. Jesus gently offered exactly what Thomas needed to move from unbelieving to believing. Jesus patiently gave Thomas the exact same thing he had given the other disciples the week before. Grace, love, forgiveness, and the proof of the scars on his hand and on his side. You see, Jesus tends to the whole motley crew, all of us, the weak, the hardened, the self-righteous, the wounded, and the doubting. This is the kind of community in which Jesus invites us to regularly participate the good and brutal community. Good because we're all trying to follow Jesus and to live out the faithful life. Brutal because we are broken. Our lives are both brutal and beautiful. The hard and uncomfortable aspects of life seem to be tightly woven with the beautiful. We can't have one without the other, which means that when we authentically gather in community, the interactions aren't always nice and neat. They can be rather messy. Some jokingly say that the Christian life would be easy if it weren't for other people. When we are gathering as a faith community with the spirit in our midst, we are striving for this better version of ourselves that we cannot attain on our own. To become whom God created us to be, we need God and God's word, of course, but we also need each other as a source of encouragement and accountability. Listen to what one of our confirmands wrote in her faith statement. I believe the mission of the church is to be a community of Christians who come together to share our journey with God as a family. Another wrote, God loves everyone equally and fully, so he does not want us to hurt ourselves or anyone else. To me, being a Christian means being kind, truthful, loyal, and compassionate to others, God, and myself, while knowing that when I make mistakes, God will still be there for me. I would add that not only will God be there for us when we make mistakes, but that we will be there for each other as a part of this faith family. Now maybe we wouldn't need this good and brutal community so much if we were just trying to live into what the world values. Do you remember the credo that Robert Fulgham shared in his book, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten? Now, here's a way to live. Share everything, play fair, 
Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt someone. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Live a balanced life. Learn some and think some and draw and paint and sing and dance and play and work some every day. Take a nap every afternoon. When you go out into the world, watch for traffic, hold hands, and stick together. Be aware of wonder. Remember that little seed in the styrofoam cup? The roots go down and the plants go up and nobody really knows how or why. But we are all like that. Goldfish and hamsters and white mice and even the little seed in the styrofoam cup, they all die and so do we. And then remember the Dick and Jane books and the first word you learned, the biggest word of all, look. Those things are good and mostly easy peasy, but Jesus invites us into something more. Jesus invites us to participate in an abundant, joy-filled life, but the path is unconventional countercultural and, well, hard. You want an example? In addition to loving our enemies, in this passage, Jesus invites us to live a life of forgiveness. Did I say hard? I meant impossibly hard. Our natural inclination is often fueled by pride, and we tend to hold on to the action that hurt us, and sometimes even fantasize about getting even rather than forgiving. Some time ago, Dave Hegler, who works as an umpire in a recreational baseball league, was pulled over for driving too fast in the snow in Boulder, Colorado. He tried to talk the officer out of giving him a ticket by telling him how worried he was about his insurance going up and, and how he's normally a very safe driver. And please, just this once, could he give him a warning? The officer didn't budge. He said if he didn't like receiving the ticket, he could just take the matter to court. Well, fast forward to the first game of the new baseball season. Dave Hegler was the umpire behind the plate, and the first batter up was that police officer. As the officer was about to step into the batter's box, they recognized each other. The officer said, so how did that thing with the ticket go? Hagler replied, you better swing at everything. <laughs> Sweet revenge. Forgiveness is just one of the reasons that we need to keep coming back each week to our faith community. Living a life of faith in the world is hard, maybe even impossible without the gathered community coming together to meet God in this place as we support and encourage one another. We come with our brokenness and wounds, but we help each other stay connected to the great healer. Father Greg Boyle, who started Homeboy Industries 35 years ago and now serves 120,000 gang members in Los Angeles, has this audacious idea that we all are unshakably good and we belong together. He says, if love is the answer, community is the context, and tenderness 
is the methodology. If love is the answer, community is the context, and tenderness is the methodology. What if we shared the same goal as Homeboy Industries, to love each other into wholeness? Sounds a little like the abundant, joy-filled life Jesus wants for all of us. Which is why, I suppose, Jesus told the gathered community in our scripture passage today, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. According to the Apostle Paul, the only thing that counts is faith working through love. We are being sent out there with a little bit of faith and a huge amount of love for the poor for those sitting on the benches and those sitting in the shadows, for those living on the streets and those living in gated communities, and even for those who don't deserve it. Desmond Tutu once said, all over this magnificent world, God calls us to extend God's kingdom of shalom, peace and wholeness, of justice, of goodness, of compassion, of caring, of sharing, of laughter, of joy, and of reconciliation. God is transfiguring the world right this very moment through us because God believes in us and because God loves us. What can separate us from the love of God? Absolutely nothing. And as we share God's love with our brothers and sisters, God's other children, there is no tyrant who can resist us, no oppression that cannot be ended, no hunger that cannot be fed, no wound that cannot be healed, no hatred that cannot be turned to love, no dream that cannot be fulfilled. This is not kindergarten material. And I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds impossibly hard. I have a solution. Two words. Gyroscopic procession. I bet you weren't expecting that. Gyroscopic procession is the phenomenon that explains why a boomerang comes back to you. As members of this good and brutal community of Church of the Palms, we need to be more like boomerangs and less like big sticks. We have to go out from this place as Jesus has commanded us to do, but we have to keep coming back again and again, week after week. We have to connect with one another, hear God's word read and proclaimed, pray together and sing God's praises. We need each other for encouragement and accountability. Another confirmand wrote, Speaking of church, it's the best community I have been in. Their mission of faith and forgiveness is amazing. And I want to have every part by following the life of Jesus in everything I do. Friends, Jesus is sending us out in love with gyroscopic procession. I'll see you next week. <laughs>